Mindfulness Mode 271. And then I give the universe my essence. I penetrate the universe with me as I exhale. And I just feel my posture changing and I smile from the inside out. Reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness on today's Mindfulness Mode with me, your host and Mindfulness Life Coach, Bruce Lankford. I am glad you're here today, Mindful Tribe, and we're heading right into Thanksgiving season in the United States. So warm Thanksgiving wishes to my thousands of Mindful Tribe listeners in the U.S. Thanks for tuning in. No matter where you're from, I'm grateful for every one of you today. Last time, I featured an expert at getting college and university scholarships. Partly through her mindfulness, she personally figured out how to get admitted into some top schools and how to get funds. Lots of valuable information in that episode. Check out Crystal at mindfulnessmode.com slash 270 in case you missed it. Would you like to have more focus in your life? Be like my guest today. Get some meditation happening in your life. I created five free videos to get you started at meditating. Simple yet inspiring video. Just go to mindfulnessmode.com slash focus. Enter your name and email so you can get started right away with meditating just like today's guest. And today's guest is an intimacy expert and has worked with people of every description, including celebrities. She's a lot of fun, and the discussion is a don't miss, in my opinion. Relax and enjoy this fun interview with my new friend, Alana. Hey, this is great to be here today because we have a wonderful, vibrant, exciting guest, and she's going to teach us how to be delicious. So that's going to be fun. Today, I have Alana Pratt with me, and she is an expert in intimacy. But first, I'm going to ask her, Alana, are you in mindfulness mode? I am absolutely, Bruce, in mindfulness mode. I've been dragging (laughs) around listening to your podcast and very grateful to be here today. That is so cool, and I am so pumped and so thrilled to have you with me. And I, I just want to share some info about you with, with our Mindful Tribe audience here. Intimacy expert Alana Pratt inspires her clients to be unapologetically true to themselves, their love lives, and their businesses. And she's been featured on CBS, TLC, and Fox, and she's a graduate of Columbia. She's the author of four books. She's been a coach to celebrities. She's host of the sexy, empowering show, Intimate Conversations Live. And now, here she is right here on Mindfulness Mode. So this is so exciting. Mindfulness, intimacy, being delicious. Tell us how mindfulness ties in with that and what mindfulness really means to you, Alana. Mm. Bruce, to me, mindfulness is when we're present and we're not off in the future. We're not off in the past. We're not afraid of rejection. We're in total allowance of the moment, which could be terrifying, but we're in allowance of it. And we're doing our best not to judge the other or ourselves. And we're just in the unknown. It's like a dance with the mystery. It's a dance with the unknown. And in terms of intimacy, I like to break the word down into me, I see. And when we look inside, 
quite often. Now just stop. Oh. Hold, hold everything. Stop. Whoa. Into me, I see. Yeah. I totally love that. And I just wanted to slow things down because I think that's so worth just hesitating and stopping. And into me, I see. That is intimacy. That is a mindfulness ah. practice right there. That when you're getting triggered emotionally, when you're trying to control the situation, when you're afraid of rejection, these are moments when our mindfulness can go into me, I see. And inside is a little Alana or a little Bruce or a little somebody who's terrified, ashamed, scared, mad, like all these things. And in general, our, our survival mechanisms make us push that part of us down, make that part of us wrong, avoid that part of us which to me is like taking a two by four over the head of a little five-year-old saying, you know, shut the mm up, right? And yeah. it, it doesn't promote mindfulness. It promotes insecurity and fellow right. relationships with self and others. And instead, what if we could just say, hey, little guy or hey, little girl, let's just take a few breaths. Let's just be in allowance. You know, if they reject us, that will suck, but I love you. Or if this goes really well and we're on a big podcast with Bruce, that's going to be okay. We'll be all right, right? Like it could be a good thing or a Mm -hmm. quote unquote challenging thing. Either way, it can take us out of mindfulness because when sex gets really great, oh my God, can I let go of control? Can I let them see me naked physically and emotionally? Like that's a really awesome moment, but also requires mindfulness not to go into our head. So from the bedroom to the boardroom, this idea of being intimate with ourself, intimate with the moment, intimate with our body, intimate with our partner. Hell, we could even be intimate with our money and our business, really listen to the consciousness of our business and what direction it wants to go. I love to have intimate relationships in every direction and it supports me being mindful. And so how do we improve the intimacy in our own relationships? How do we become more delicious to our partner? (laughs) Well, into me, I see, shall we dive? You will find the part of you maybe that doesn't think you're very delicious or is very afraid of what your partner thinks or remembers when your partner did such and such back then or is afraid if you don't quiet your mouth down and don't, you know, don't speak your truth or they're going to get upset again. Like all these places block the, 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 the one-to-one present. Hi, hi, it's me. And even the vulnerability of saying, I'm super scared to ask you this, but I love you. And we're both committed to honesty and vulnerability. So here I go. And like, you can even be real about it. You don't have to pretend you're totally confident when you're not, but those kind of practices to slow it down, check in, soothe yourself and then tell the truth of what you really desire to your partner and then hold little you safe and sound in case they blow up, uh, in case they agree, in case they have an even better idea. We have no idea and the unknown what's about to happen, but at least we can be centered, grounded, have our own back and shine and show up fully, which makes you feel unstoppable, makes you feel delicious because life force energy, chi, sexual energy wants to have its way with us. It wants to use us as a vessel. It wants to co-create and have the experience of what it's like to be Bruce Langford on the planet. It wants to experience in Alana Pratt what that's like on the planet. So we grow in consciousness and that elevates all of humanity and consciousness. So life, God, the divine, chi, life force energy, sexual energy, it wants to come through us 
And it can't do it when we're not present. And it can't do it when our hearts are closed. And it can't do it when we're spinning in our mind. But when we're present, you can literally feel the energy of life. Oh my God, I'm about to say something. Here it comes. And it's like life coming through you to speak your truth to your beloved or to your client or to your child or to yourself. Yeah. Can I be more delicious by being a better meditator? How, how, how is this connected to my meditation practice? Well, the guy that I'm dating right now, one of the things I find tremendously attractive about him is he has a meditation practice, not like a drinking till two in the morning practice. Because when things get tough, he sits in the silence, he sits in the fire, he listens, he's training himself during any challenge at work or with me or wherever, that he's not going to fly off the handle, judge me, hide, he's practicing what it takes to stay present. So I personally think it's super sexy. And on some of our, um, we don't live in the same, we live about three hours apart. So we have these um, Skype dates. And we will sit literally and like we'll meditate together. Like maybe that's totally dorky, but that's what we do. And sometimes that's we, pretty cool. we do dyads together and we ask deep, profound questions that I do with my clients to really get to know one another and create a safe space to talk about anything. Can you share one of those deep, profound questions with us here on Mindfulness oh, Mode? Drum roll, please, Ruth. <laughs> yes. Um, so, so the dyads are in full practice of 40-minute practice. And the rule is all you're allowed to say is thank you. You're not allowed to like agree, disagree, justify. No, just thank you. And thank you doesn't mean I agree. It means I understand. Okay, so it's allowance. We're practicing allowance. So back and forth for five minutes. Tell me something. Let's practice, Bruce. Tell me something you like about me. Okay, so then you would tell me something you like about me. I like how vibrant you are. Oh, and then I would say thank you. And then you would say, tell me something you like about me. Okay, tell me something you like about me. I love your authenticity and your humor and your depth. Those were three things, but anyway. <laughs> okay. And then, and then the next question would be, and we don't have to do this one, but the next one would be, tell me something you think we align on. And quite often when partners feel afraid, don't communicate the truth or get into a really bad fight, it's because all of a sudden you're on opposite teams. And if you can remind yourself on a regular basis, hey, we're on the same team here. We both prioritize meditation. We both prioritize intimacy. We both prioritize speaking our truth, living fully, da-da-da. That brings the first question creates affinity. The second uh, creates connection. And then the third question can be whatever you want for that next 20-minute period. It could be something like, just tell me something you want me to know. It could be, tell me something you think I don't understand that you want me to understand more deeply. It could be, tell me something that turns you on. It could be, tell me something you're afraid to tell me. It could be, tell me something about you and sexual fantasies. Something about you and oral sex. It could be anything. It could be, tell me something about your feelings around your parents aging or dying. Like it could be anything and it's a safe space for both people to be heard, guaranteed no rebuttal, guaranteed no, no judgment. And so that level of safety and being heard, you go so deep so fast and then when you're done, you don't speak about it again. You don't use it as ammunition on a fight tomorrow. That's a sacred, intimate time together that really deepens a relationship. And frankly, you can do it with your kids you know, at the dinner table or on a long drive someplace, it's amazing how good it feels to be heard without judgment. 
And I think that's what we all want. We all want to be listened to. We all want to be heard. And working in bullying prevention, that's what I find with so many of the people I work with. They just don't feel heard. And once they are, they change into a different person. And all of a sudden they're like, oh my gosh. Yeah. Totally agree. Yeah, you get it. All the bullies are deeply inside. They've been wounding that little you. Yeah. You know, internally, they've been bullied on the outside. So there's no place safe to go in or out. And then they just react. But if you can get them, as you said, present, mindful, and let them feel seen and heard, and really, you don't have to agree that it's okay to hit Joey or whatever. No, but you can acknowledge not. and validate and understand from their point of view, they have every right to feel that way. And you get it, and you're not here to fix them, just to get them. Something really deep happens inside. You exhale all the way to that safe place that we've all been looking for. On the outside, seeking, seeking, we can find it on the inside. Elena, do you have a story about bullying you can share with us? Sure. (laughs) Like, do we have another five hours? No, just kidding. Um, (laughs) The short version is I was a people pleaser. Growing up, Uh my dad was drunk and stoned, and I just wanted to make sure I didn't get in trouble. So I grew up as a young woman, not speaking my truth, being a people pleaser, and I attracted my dad to heal my wounds. So he was a bully, my son's father, and I just put up with everything just so that he wouldn't yell and scream at me. That was his way of controlling me and my way of letting myself be controlled. Well, my son, we got a divorce within one year. I discovered he wasn't who I thought he was. And I took total ownership that when I chose to marry him, my mom was dying and I wasn't very mature or enlightened. And I just wanted a checkbook, pulse, Mm -hmm. sperm. That'll do. I just wanted to replace the relationship I was losing. And I know that's not very whatever, kind or enlightened, but that was the best I could do at the time, feeling so sad. So within a year, didn't choose somebody great, but have a great son. And then as time went on, um, he just wouldn't stop fighting with me. I guess from his point of view, you said forever. And I stopped after a year. And, and to him, his point of view must have been humiliation, rejection. So he, right. his anger, his bullying came after me. And of course, I'm just triggering his mother, right, or his, his past as well. But nonetheless. Sure. And the, um, our son said, I want to kill myself at nine years old. He goes, I, I can't handle the fighting that nonstop happens with you and dad. And I'd done every nonviolent communication course, every therapist, every counselor, every everything you could think of until I realized, wait a minute, he doesn't want to get along with me. He loves to fight. And so I let my son live with his dad primarily for like six months just to see, let him win, let him look good, let him be the, the father of the year. I'll sacrifice my time to save my son. But he took it and he used it against me to say that I was a flaky mom, unstable mom, abandoned him. And he won after almost five years in court of me trying to fight for the truth. Um, I'm unconventional and I'm an entrepreneur. I don't have a PhD, but I coach people. I must be, I talk about sex. Like it was this horrible picture they created about me in a very old school, archaic, you know, family law jury system. And he won. Um, 70% 70% custody, and I got 30, oh. humiliated my career, won. Um, but the thing is, it never stopped the bullying. Even when he won in court, the bullying continued. And so my mindfulness practice, even up till this very day, uh, right now he's convinced our son that I'm horrible and selfish, and so my son's living with him and has and blocked me from the phone. I have no contact with my son. 
Um, so like I'm literally in the midst of a bullying moment, Bruce, but this becomes our mindfulness practice. How can I still have compassion, not condoning, but have compassion for why he's behaving that way? Because I believe that bullying is ultimately a, like a reflection inside. Like where am I? Where is my unloved part of me? Where can I love myself more? Where can I be more in allowance and look past the anger coming at me to the wounded heart, the cry for love? Everything's ultimately a cry for love. So I'm doing my inner work to take responsibility that I didn't marry him from deep commitment and love. I was scared and really own that and apologize so that I don't get emotionally triggered by his behavior and I can just be that grounded, present, mindful person that allows this whole lesson to unfold and keep growing and not be that bitter ex-wife bitch who, who blames and that's not going to get us anywhere nor teach my son any good lessons either. And how old is, is your son now? He's almost 15. Right. So he, yeah. it's a time I think, you know, in other cultures where he, he would have already left me anyways. He, you know, you go off and you live with the father and you break from the mother. So I'm trying to look at the overall, his overall life lesson that we were mm -hmm. super close for most of his life. I taught him everything I knew. And now he's discovering who his dad is full time and, mm -hmm. and, and figuring out his path of what he wants to be like, like his dad and what he doesn't. So he can be a choice, mindful choice, not reacting. And I, I just have to trust that in a year or two or however long it takes, he'll have learned some stuff. We'll have our reunion and we'll be two um, adults. So we'll have completed the mother-son sort of relationship, uh, parent. It will be, and I'll be more like a mentor and two adults coming back together. As I did with my mom, my sweet mom. She threw my car keys out on the front lawn when I was 16 because I was being a bitch. And she's like, sleep at your aunt's. So I'm like, I remember that I wasn't perfect. That every, uh -huh. every relationship with a parent and a child goes through some bumps when they're teenagers. And and uh, it's going to be okay. Well, I, I just am very impressed at how you're you're handling this and you're just allowing it and you're dealing with it. And I'm not surprised because I know you're amazing at what you do as a coach and you. what you do to help other people. One of the things that kept coming up is fear. Yeah. How do we deal with fear when it just feels so completely overwhelming and yeah. you just don't know even how to put one foot in front of the other? Yeah. How do we deal with that fear? Yeah. Well, I have sort of like a long version and a short version. So the, the short version is notice where your mind is when you're afraid. It's normally not in the present moment. It's normally afraid of something that could happen or afraid something from the past will happen again. It's not here right now. So take the uh, awareness from the spinning mind down your spine into your heart, which is probably closed. Pry it open and go, hey, little you, I've, I'm feeling you. I'm feeling it. I'm here. I'm here. And you can put your hand on your heart and just take a couple breaths. I gotcha. Um, the prefrontal cortex, uh, you get back into the present moment by saying like five, four, three, two, one. And then some sort of affirming statement. Hey, I got your back. Hey, we got this. Hey, I'm right here. Hands on the heart brings also changes the body around, brings you present. So these quick, like right in the moment practices can help you get away from the spinning. The longer process is to notice that you've with your central nervous system, with your brain synapses, with the whole way you've been wired and your subconscious programming and cellular memory, all that kind of stuff that I do deep work with, you've somehow decided to seek safety from the outside in versus rest in safety 
from the inside out. That's the overarching reason why you're freaking out. And so the, the work that I do helps to reprogram those cellular memories and let go of those patterns that are subconsciously running you. As soon as you see a guy dressed in black, you freak. It's just a guy dressed in black. But in the past, a guy dressed in black, da, 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 right? So you've got to go right. back in and reprogram all the way to the core so that you can navigate intense emotions with presence so that you're not triggered emotionally and so that you clean yourself out from the inside inside out and it's basically like little you is so home like in the the coolest like lounge chair with like popcorn and like a clicker for the tv and he's got his dog and he's got his like or she's got her little animal you've got to be able to find that sense of home it's like mm -hmm. beyond safety beyond security beyond appreciation beyond approval it's like communion with self unconditional love like i love you forever even if you're scared and I'll love you, even if you're scared for eternity, that's how much I love you. Really? Oh, something rests inside. When you can really have that intimate relationship with self, you don't spin off into crazy land as much or as long, you know, it's still, we're human. It's not about perfection, but you can return to center. And when we're centered, we're connected with our intuition. We're connected with God, the universe, uh, universal intelligence. We make choices, choices that are based on the contribution to self and others. When we're spinning and we're in fear, we're not making choices. We're just reacting. We're just trying to control. We make really shitty mistakes uh, in our businesses, in our love lives. And it's all based on where did we source that action from? Fear, spinning mind or heart, peace, oneness, choice. Right? It doesn't mean that all our problems are going to go away, but how we handle them will elevate and create better results. Alana, what are you doing when you feel most grounded? Mm. Being in nature is probably one of the top ones. I'm a Canadian like you who's been living in Tokyo, New York City, and Los Angeles for the past 20 years. And just as of a month and a half ago, I literally live in a cabin on the top of a mountain and I can see 180 degrees, nothing but nature and mountains. I am in bliss. I forgot how easy it is to be grounded when you're surrounded by nature rather than spinning traffic and cars and people. So that's one way. Um, meditation practice, morning and night. Uh, dance practice. I have a hula hoop. I like the new Foo Fighters album, so I put it on loud on the deck and I do my hula hoop <laughs> and it gets me in my body. Um, I like to pole dance. That's one of my fun exercises to stay in shape and, and get out of my head and just let the music and the energy move my body. Um, it's, it's exquisite. Those are some of the ways. Why do you think pole dancing is such a great activity? What is it about that that makes it truly a mindful experience well the way i do it it's not for attention there's no mirrors there's no men it's a it's a dark room we all look really great in the candlelight <laughs> um and it's women honoring women's emotional journey through life like sometimes you're dancing and you just let the music move you and you cry you're in a fetal position you just haven't given yourself permission to be real with the emotion because where in the world are you just going to sit down in the fetal position and cry? Can't do that at work. Can't do that in the kitchen. So it's a safe space to be real. Sometimes you are pissed. You just want to like, I, like I have these like eight inch heels, boots, black patent, and I stomp around and in my mind, I'm stomping on people's heads and I just get it out of my system in a healthy way. 
Um, other times, as I said before, in you, as you, through you, I'm just like, life, I'm having a tough time. Help me. Help me feel you. Help me help me feel the breath of, of God in my body. And I'll just, like, my arms will just start moving. So there's there's that. The second aspect is a pull. Think about it. If you hold on too tight, that's like holding on too tight to life. You can't spin around. You're terrified. It doesn't look very sexy. And then if you let go, you don't hang on tight enough, you fall down, which just like in life, if you don't show up, do the work, take action, follow your dreams, you're not going to get anywhere. You're going to just sort of stay stuck on the ground, right, of your life. So the symbolism is amazing. But when you hit that sweet spot, Bruce, and you're holding on strong enough and you've practiced enough and you're swinging with one arm through the air, all both your feet are off the ground and you grab one with the other hand and you use your strong tummy muscles to put your legs above you and you're holding on upside down and then you let go with your hands and you slap your ass like I feel like I'm Wonder Woman like it's the most incredible feeling of strength and surrender that the universe is the pole it's got my back I can just show up and shine I can swing I can be me it's got me it's got me and if I'm really tired or scared I can cling to it it's still got me. I can slide down to the ground. It's still got me. The ground is there. The earth is there. It's all very symbolic for me. It's very healing. Well, I love your analogy. And so many of my guests talk about surrender, letting go. Yes. Not so much about strength, because I think we all know how to hang on. Sure. Right? We all have that down. Right. It's the letting go part that seems so tricky. Yes, but... Wouldn't you say strength is like muscular pushing and anybody can push. You don't even need brains to push. But courage, that's the heart. That's required for surrender. That's a different kind of strength. Courage to just open and be an allowance, like we said at the beginning of the interview. Like it, it is what it is. They may like me. They may not. They may sign up. They may reject me. They like who knows what's going to happen. That kind of allowance to me takes courage. And you can't have courage with a closed heart or a wounded heart. It happens from an open heart. Not that hearts need to be perfect. To me, putting back together a heart after a really bad breakup, a bad divorce, sickness, bullying, any of these kind of things, you sort of put it back like a stained glass window. And all the filament is little gold, little gold filament. Like you're stronger having gone through it. You learned. You're wiser. Alana, describe to me the best male lover ever. And the mindfulness connected to that. Now, I don't necessarily mean your lover, but it could be the best male lover. What do they look like, you know, when it comes to the whole element of mindfulness? I did not think you were going to ask this question, Bruce Langford. I would say that there's a, a level of presence in his eyes that even if things are going on around him, it's almost like he's simultaneously aware of everything around him. Like if somebody came running, he'd still be looking right in my eyes, but he'd go like, ding! And like hit it with his arm because he sort of sees it out of his peripheral. That capacity to be an allowance and present at the same time to me is tremendously sexy. Um, And in terms of lovemaking, I think sometimes guys don't pay attention to our our movements or our sounds or something. And they kind of desire us, which we we like. Of course, every woman wants to be desired. But he sort of desires us at a 10. But we're sort of at a 2. We just dropped the kids off or we just made dinner. We just thought we're not quite there yet. So to come at us with a 10, but we're a two is a mismatch. So he's not present. So uh, a lover who was present would go, oh, I desire her at a 10, but she's at a two. So he'd be slower. He would uh, say some things. He would ask some questions. He would he would uh, match me where I'm at, not with judgment, not with an agenda, but he would really let a two be enough. He would let a two be everything. So I would go, oh, 
I'm totally adored at a two. Oh, this feels great, which gives me all the space in the world to go three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. But if I'm judged or pushed at a two, then I'm going to shut down even more. See, he doesn't see me. And now I'm going to be a zero. And how does he breathe? Oh, consistently. And <laughs> he breathes. <laughs> Let's just. <laughs> That's a good sign. That's a good sign. I used to, Bruce, as I was going through all of my healing and like, it's almost been 10 years of court, police officers knocking at the door at 930 at night, serving papers, you know, horrible lawyers cross examining me in, in the judge room or in the courtroom, just awful stuff. So I, I learned I stopped breathing. I would be like cutting vegetables. I'm like, you're not breathing. I'd be sending a text. You're not breathing. So breathing, breathing, even when we're uncertain of the outcome, breathing. So yes, definitely breathing consistently and deeply. And if he's really a great lover, he'll match his breath with yours. Mm. He'll match his breath. So I can feel when I exhale, he's right there with me. Yeah. Mm. That's awesome to know. I'm going to practice that. (laughs) (laughs) You've given me some great information, but not just me thousands and thousands and thousands of our mindful tribe listeners so that's awesome alana i want to i want to ask you this i want to uh ask you five quick answer questions and the first one is is who is one person that inspired your own mindfulness Hmm. i would say a teacher of mine sachian raja he uh from vancouver a company called warrior sage i don't know what they call it now and his wife suzanne huge mindfulness sacred sexuality teachers Ah, that's great. And number two, how has mindfulness affected your emotions? Mm, It's helped to balance them and equilibrate them rather than have them run me. So I'm not afraid of them. I sit in the fire and and take the ride with them, knowing that if I don't resist them on the other side is, is is wisdom, is a lesson. And the next question is about breathing, and you've really shared that with us. But what's one more delicious point about breathing? I like to imagine I'm making love with the universe. And so I'm having basically sex all day long. (laughs) And the universe, so the mindfulness breath practice for is making love to the universe. And so I, with my inhale, allow myself to be penetrated by the universe and feel how delicious and tantalizing that is on the inhale. And then I give the universe my essence. I penetrate the universe with me as I exhale. And I just feel my posture changing and I smile from the inside out. (laughs) Beautiful. Well, if you could recommend a book related to mindfulness, whether it's related to sex or not, I don't know. But what book would that be? Well, I actually pulled one out of my library. It's the Book of Awakening by Mark Nepo. And there's like one mindfulness reading a day to read. And they're very, very beautiful. It says having the life you want by being present to the life you have. So I would definitely recommend that. Beautiful. Can you share an app which helps you to be more mindful? Every morning and, and sometimes every night, but definitely every morning. Um, Insight Timer is what I use. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's a great app. Yeah, I've got some meditations on there myself. So yeah, that's a great app. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Alana, this has been so fantastic. Delicious. Delicious. This has been. It has been delicious. And I'm, I got to tell you, I'm excited. (laughs) This is just, this has just been so energizing and so much fun. And I appreciate what you do for the world so much. So how can we connect with you? How can Mindful Tribe learn more about you and what you have to offer? 
Oh, I would love that. So my website for women, alanapratt.com, right there at the top is my vulnerability is the new sexy. It's a complimentary training. And for guys, my site, gethertosayyes.com. And right at the top is the complimentary training called How to Be a Noble Badass. So I would love everyone to go there and enjoy. And just remember, Alana is A-L-L. There are two L's, Alana Pratt. The rest of it's very easy, A-L-L-A-N-A-P-R-A-T-T. Alana Pratt. Wow, you offer something for women. You offer something for us guys. And wow, you are just amazing what you're giving to the world, what you're giving to the universe. Thank you so much for giving some of it to me and to (laughs) us today, Alana. This is awesome. Oh, it's been such a pleasure. Thank you for what you do. And especially with the bullying work you do in the world. And you're a Canadian like me. And I love that. So thank you again for the privilege. (laughs) All the best to you. Bye now. Thank you so much for joining us today on Mindfulness Mode. For insightful blog articles and show notes for every episode, check out mindfulnessmode.com. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you could help us out by clicking on the iTunes link on our website and leave a rating and review. Till next time, Mindful Tribe, use what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Stay in the mode.